Excellent. If you have Bibles, take them to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. We're going to look at one verse this morning. Proverbs chapter 22. Thankful for the opportunity to preach as always. I was looking back and seeing the last time that I was able to preach, and it's been a few months, I think, something like that. I've been able to teach uh, Wednesday night, I think, once or twice, and of course I teach my Sunday school, but it's nice to be able to stand behind uh, the pulpit and be able to preach to you all this morning, and thankful that Pastor Bill entrusts me to do it. That's always nice, too. Proverbs 22, and we're going to look at a verse, verse number three, in just a moment. This sermon has been in the works for several months, since August, actually, August 22nd, 21st, something like that, specifically the date, and I remember the date, particularly because it was a day there was a potential hurricane that was coming by our area. Now, those of you that are from this area know that we had Hurricane Ian a little over a year ago and uh, devastated many parts of this area, especially the coastal areas and those by uh, waterways. And as you remember the news saying about Hurricane Ian, the news kept saying, it's not coming to Lee County. It's going to Tampa. It's going to Tampa. It's going to Tampa. And as we braced for the impact and we expected that storm just to keep going, and heading up to Tampa, where it was supposed to go, we watched on our phones and on our radar as it just kept going east, kept going right towards us, and it was almost heartbreaking to see it went up, and it just almost seemed like it took a 90-degree turn and headed straight for us. It was unexpected. Now, we had prepared for that, and thankfully, um, our church And many of our people suffered little damage. Some uh, suffered a tremendous amount of damage. And so while thinking about that storm that kind of caught us by surprise, a few months ago in August, you remember there was a hurricane that was kind of heading this way. It was coming around Cuba, heading up on our side, on our coast, the west coast here. And it was kind of almost in that same path that Hurricane Ian was in. I think the name of the hurricane was Adalia, Adalia, and I, she it landed up by uh, Keaton Beach, up by the Panhandle, and uh, we're thankful for that, that we missed out on it. But as we were prepping for it, we had no idea what was going to happen. I remember Pastor Bill giving me a phone call and saying, I'm getting nervous about this storm. I said, no, the news is saying it's going north. It's just going to miss us. Well, that's what it said last time. And so we kind of had this debate going back and forth, and he says, I think we should put up the storm shutters on the church. And this was a week before, a week before that it would have even have hit. And I said, let's just keep waiting, see what happens, waiting, see what happens, waiting, see what happens. And about two days uh, before it hit, we got notice that the Lee County School District was going to close. So now we're closing our school because we follow their uh, schedules on that. And we began to talk in. He said, you know, I think that we should put up the shutters, but I'm going to let you decide. I went back and even looked at the text messages and 
before I preach this today, and he said, you decide, you decide. And of course, that's just responsibility. I mean, my house is one thing, but of course, when you have other uh, folks, we've all come together to make this possible, God helping us, and there's some maybe more responsibility than just my own stuff. We understand that. And so I said, well, I think we should at least do these five big windows that are here. And the problem is these are the most painful windows to do. Uh, we still kind of use plywood. We're thinking about up, upgrading those to some hurricane shutters just uh, for the ease of it. Uh, but I remember coming in that next day after that conversation and Thomas and I, and let's just be honest, we had some bad attitudes. We had some bad attitudes. I mean, we had to get up in the barn. It was hot. Uh, August here is hot. It was hot. It was sweaty. We had to move a lot of stuff and hundreds of pounds, honestly, of plywood that we had to move and load up and bring over here. It took about half a day or so to get it done. And you have tools break. You don't have the right, uh, you know, Tapcon screws to do it and all sorts of things. And uh, the verse that came to my mind while I was sweating and toiling in that work was this verse right here. Let's read it. Proverbs 22, 3. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Once again, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Now, thankfully, the storm didn't come this way. It kept heading north, headed up there, and it passed us by. However, if something was to happen and it was to come, I would have been so thankful that we put up those uh, pieces of plywood over the windows there, and taking precautions. This verse is so practical to us today. I, I, I hope as we get into it, um, we find some areas that we can help improve uh, in our own lives. Just last night, I get a call from one of the folks staying in the RV in the back. It was about 1030 at night, and this person called said, the power is out at the church. That's not good. They heard a big, they heard an explosion. They saw sparks flying from uh, the transformer. And that's not a good sign, especially when it's Saturday night. We've got church, people expecting to come here. Um, every other business around had their lights on except for ours. And of course, I just said, well, let's call it in and see what happens. They came out and fixed it. And they fixed it in about an hour. And then it broke again. And about 12.30, I get another phone call that says, Chris, it's still, it's still, it, it, it broke again. Same thing's happening. So, oh, no, I call back, you know, on hold for 30 minutes or so. Boom, hey, they get it back on. And so today, we have, as you look here, we normally don't have this speaker here and this speaker here. But Thomas Sweat and myself, we, lo we uh, loaded these up and put them in here. These are battery-operated speakers because there's a potential that even while we speak that, the power could potentially go out. Now, I don't think we're going to stay here and, and sweat forever, but at least we'll be able to you know, turn those on and just briefly finish out the service and have some sort of order to it. But we do that in the sense of we foresee that there may be a potential problem, there may be evil or trouble, and so we're taking precaution versus the power goes out right now and we're unprepared and it's chaos. And everybody's trying to go for the door. And uh, again, just taking this verse practically, practically. Why did we set him up? Because a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. There's immense amount of truth, I believe, packed into this 
uh, this verse, spiritual truth, practical truth, daily living, and I hope to get to all of it, all of it if, if time allows. Uh, but I, hopefully, I hope that the Holy Spirit will lend us some understanding. How many of you have it all figured out? Okay, good. I was hoping to catch some of you by surprise. How many of you still got some work to do? Yes, absolutely, me too. And sometimes we think we know what we need, but God really knows and he really understands what we need. Occasionally we ask for something that we think we need and it's not God's plan, not God's will. This morning, as we get into this message, I want to pray, and I've waited a little while to pray uh, a little bit further down the message than what I normally do, but I wanted to to wait and pray to see if we could all collectively ask God to give us wisdom and see if there's areas in our life, whether spiritual, whether temporal, that God can give us some insight in areas where we need to be more prudent in. So at this time, I'd love to pray and ask God. Um, We don't know what we should pray. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit also maketh intercession uh, itself make its intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Basically, we don't know what we need, but God knows. May God show it to us this morning. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is just uh, so packed into it. And the more we dig, it seems like the less we know. And we're thankful that you've given us the Holy Spirit to be able to discern what's right and wrong. You've given us the ability uh, for our minds to be illuminated to the things of God. We thank you for saving us. Show us what we need this morning for each and every person in this room. I'm sure it's uh, different areas that we need to uh, improve on. Will you reveal it to us before we leave this building today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This verse is is a principle. Now, I, I'm a big fan of principle preaching because I, I just love how practical it is and uh, kind of dissecting and seeing how it applies to a variety of areas of life. But it's important to understand that this is a principle and not a promise. Okay, this is a principle and not a promise. Proverbs is generally a book of principles, and we can't necessarily take it as a promise. It's saying, hey, if you are prudent and you take the necessary precautions, you're going to hide yourself from evil, and it's going to pass you by. But the simple, hey, they're just going to overlook it, overlook all precaution, walk directly into trouble. Um, Sometimes we can take every single avenue of protection. We can do everything that we know to do what is right, but yet still things don't work out in our favor. Have you been there? You may say, well, I've tried to save financially the best that I can, and it seems like it all just slipped out of my fingers. Right. Well, you did everything that you knew to do, God helping you to do it, and God chose for it to take wings and fly away. You've took your precaution. However, God had other plans. Uh, I think we have to understand it when we come to this, that this is a principle and not a promise. Think about the life of Job, just as a a very brief illustration. Job had some horrible things happen to him, some things that I would hope would never happen to myself, would never happen to you. However, God was able to use it to his glory. Imagine being in Job's situation and thinking about this. Well, as he had, you know, his house destroyed and it collapsed upon his children and his family and they, they perished. I mean, if he had built you know, a strong bunker that they could have lived in, do you think it would have stopped that whirlwind or tornado coming through and blowing that house down? No, because God had other plans, right? If he said, well, I want to hire some extra security in case uh, to, to guard my animals and my sheep and my, you know, my cows and all that, 
again, the thieves were still going to come and do it because God allowed Satan to do that. If he would have said, well, I'm just going to get a better doctor. Some of you, you're, you're, in, you're always looking for a better doctor. That's a good thing to do. I'm looking for a better doctor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a better health plan or better health insurance. That's all great and good, but God still may, even though you take every necessary precaution, God still may have you go through some things that he sees fit for you to go through. And so it's important that we do everything possible in our own power to be prudent, and then at the end of it, trust God that he's got our best interests in mind and he's allowed to happen what is going to happen. I think we need to define the terms. Prudent simply means, I know these are very basic uh, words to understand, but for one or two or three that aren't very familiar with this type of terminology. Prudent means acting with or showing care for the future. Evil, in this verse, refers to distress or misery or trouble or calamity. Simple, referring to uh, the people who are simple. They're naive. They're foolish. And then punished means to, to fine, to condemn. Now, we live in a in a society, and we live in a generation that has more technology at our fingertips than ever before. Those of you that went to Pastor Todd's Sunday school this morning got to learn about AI. How many of you was your first time really doing a deep investigation into AI? A few hands, okay. It's a very interesting topic. It's a very scary topic when you dive down into it, and I even heard some chatter in the hallway about them talking about AI today and um, even the problems in the sound booth, they were blaming on AI this morning, even though that's not the case. That's not, they're just blaming everything on it. But we live in a generation that has more technology, more intelligence at our fingertips than ever before. Any generation that has ever lived before us. But yet we have the most foolish people that are living in this age. Would you agree? People aren't becoming more prudent. People aren't becoming more wise. Although we have accessibility to basically the world at our fingertips, we become more foolish. The generation that we have today is concerned with instant gratification. Uh, those of you that have grandchildren in here, I know what you're thinking. You're talking about my grandchildren. I hear it often. Yes, my generation, Generation Z, is concerned with instant gratification. Uh, the simple, the naive, the foolish, they're concerned only with the, the affairs of today and have no precautions about tomorrow. We see young people going to college and racking up hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt. Now, sometimes people have to do that, not totally, uh, totally uh, you know, being negative on all that. However, I just heard the other day on uh, the Dave Ramsey show, I just saw a little blip about it, about this one couple had over $350,000 in student loan debt. And they're in their 40s. My goodness, my goodness. Ah, it'll take care of itself. Again, that's not being prudent, not being prudent. Uh, the foolish, they're naive to evil, walk right into evil, not concerned with trouble, even though it's right in their face, totally disregard it. But the, the wise or the prudent have an awareness to what is going on, that there is evil everywhere. And there is trouble everywhere in our world, and we need to take precautions for it. The prudent man has not made up his own mind about what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. The prudent man clings to the word of God, and the truths from the word of God to gain his knowledge and to apply it to his life and relies on God's word to show it. 
I'm not sure, we, we need to be reminded of this from time to time, but God has already determined what is right and what is wrong. He's already determined it. So many Christians are naive to it because they don't open up the Word of God. I've said this before, but our, our folks give testimony year after year after year after year thanking Pastor Bill for encouraging them to read their Bible. Here we are at December. I've hope, I hope that you have read through your Bible. There's still time to finish for some of you. There's still time or to read through it. I encourage you to do it. If you haven't, sign up. For the Bible Reading Board, you don't have to be a member, a voting member or an associate member to sign up for the Bible Reading Board. Sign up for it. We'd love to have you read your Bible because that's how you're going to gain truth. That's how you're going to gain wisdom and knowledge and know how to discern right from wrong and a right decision from a wrong decision. Matthew 17, 17 says, Sanctify them, this is Jesus' words, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Do you believe it? Absolutely. Let's live it, act like it, read it. Um, today, there's three different areas that we're going to look at as we consider this idea of being prudent, a prudent man for seeing evil that I think are going to be a help to us. The first one that we must be prudent about is about our eternal destination. Our eternal destination. Now, I know I'm speaking to probably a predominantly saved group in here who knows that you have had your sins forgiven, uh, but there may be a few in here who are not, and it's important that we go over this. Don't just assume that everybody has it. Because in a room this size, I'm sure there are several or many who are not sure of their eternal destination, and we must be prudent at it. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Have you thought about the fact that you are going to die someday. It's not an enjoyable thought. Uh, it actually can kind of be morbid when you really get down and thinking about dying, and, but it's important that we do so. It's so important that we consider death and where we are going to spend eternity and that someday there is a judgment and we are going to stand face to face with Christ Someone said that each and every one of us has an inevitable meeting with Jesus Christ. Personally. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Absolutely. But we do have that meeting with Christ. As we look at this, we're going to find two different people. One who take the salvation message seriously and prudently, and one who just disregard it. The prudent in salvation is this. We have examples of this throughout uh, history and throughout our Bible. We can go back to the Israelites at Passover, and they had seen the, ten, the nine plagues come, and the last one was the angel of death that was coming to take the firstborn of every uh, living every living thing there, and the Israelites were instructed that if they believed God, they were to take the life of an animal, of a lamb, and they were to place that blood on the doorposts, and they were freed from it. It's an example of salvation about what Christ was going to do for us. They were prudent. They had seen the writing on the wall that God's judgment was coming, and they took the necessary precautions to make sure that, hey, death is not coming by my house tonight. We've got a man named Noah who heard the warning for God that he was going to destroy the world, that the sin of, in the world was great, it was wicked. Every imagination of the thoughts of their heart were only evil continually. And Noah did not disregard God's warning. 
But Noah obeyed, and he and his family were saved, and they were blessed. Another example of salvation. Faith foresees evil coming upon sinners in the eternal state and discerns Jesus Christ as the refuge from this impending judgment. The message of salvation is this, and it's simple. It's that man has offended God. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis and how man sinned against God. And sin entered into the world. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's why you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. That's why there's so much evil in the world today. Uh, because of the curse of sin. We sang about it even in the song, Joy to the World. The curse of sin. And it's everywhere. And although we have offended God, and we deserve what the Bible calls hell, and eventually the lake of fire. Remember, God's word to them was, in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. That was not only physical death, which did begin, because when you think about it, the day you actually take your first breath, you're actually on a slow process of dying. So yes, they did experience death that day, but also they experienced spiritual death and spiritual separation from God, which is much worse And although that spiritual separation does exist, God made it possible for you to have your sins forgiven and for that relationship between God and man to be restored and be mended. And that's why we have a group here today of saved believers who love God because they've had their sins forgiven and the relationship with God has been restored through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're thankful to God for it. God loved you. And let me say this, God loved you more than anybody else has ever loved you. Think about the person in your life, just for a moment, the person who you would say loves you the most. Maybe a mom, maybe a grandma, maybe a dad, maybe a husband, maybe a wife, maybe a child. God loves you so much that literally their loves look like hatred compared to how much God loves you. The Word of God says that while we were yet sinners, I like to think of it this way. He was talking to a group of people at that time who had crucified Christ. And he said, while we were yet sinners, while we were in sin, Christ died for us. Man, Jesus died for us before we were even born. He knew every rotten, dirty, wicked thing about you, but yet he still loved you and chose to die on the cross for you. Man, that is just amazing. What a message of Christmas that God would love us so much that he would inject himself into society and endure all the tragedy and horror that we endure, but he did it out of love for us. And then in simple faith, repentance towards God, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you don't remember in a moment when you trusted Christ as your Savior, I encourage you and employ you today, allow that to be this to be your moment. Even in your heart right now as I'm speaking, you can call out to God and say, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you took my punishment. And in simple faith, I'm trusting in you for the salvation of my soul, that when I stand before you, I'll stand before you sinless because of your sacrifice for me, believing that you died, were buried, and rose again for my sin and the sin of the world. That's how simple it is. I hope God has revealed that to you and that you respond and be prudent to the message of salvation. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth to it and 
is safe. Have you run to the Lord for salvation? I hope you have. The foolish in salvation, here's here's what they think about it. We're going to read the verse again, but here I want you to look at the ratio of prudent people to simple people. Read the verse again with me. It says, A prudent, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So I think we can look at that pretty plainly and see that a prudent man is singular, right? Singular. The simple is plural, right? It gives the impression that for every prudent person, there are many people who are simple and foolish in their thinking, which sums up our world and our society today. We've got a group of folks in here who seem to love God and do what's right, but there are by and large way more people outside these walls who don't think that way. A few prudent to many simple. It's a pattern that we see in Scripture. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Broad is the road that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. The vast majority of of the world is on their way to destruction, on their way to hell because they're traveling this life without Christ. So are most people saved or are most people lost? As you sit at the stoplight before you leave, uh, when you leave uh, the service today, I want you to think about when you stop at the stop, how many cars are driving by you. You ever stop and contemplate that type of thing? You're standing maybe in a football stadium or a sporting event or watching something like that on TV, and you think, I wonder out of all those people in that stadium, how many of them has Jesus forgiven their sin and they've accepted his love? Jesus said, few there be. I'm not arguing with his words. Honestly, I don't personally like it. My humanity, um, I got a hard time swallowing that. But I'm trusting God's word that it's right. And he's making the right decision on all that. It's a pattern throughout scripture. How many people were saved during the time of Noah? How many? Eight. Eight. How many people were saved at Sodom and Gomorrah? How many people perished? We don't know, but I'm sure it was thousands and thousands and thousands. When the children of Israel came across the Jordan River and they were going to battle at Jericho, how many people were saved? Just a few. Rahab and her household and the rest of the city perished. It's a pattern throughout Scripture. And if you're listening to the words that I'm saying this morning, the truth from the Bible is that there is pending judgment for sinners who do not know Christ as Savior. I employ you and I I challenge you to be prudent in your eternal destination. So many people want to just put their fingers in their ears and say, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about religion and bury their head in the sand. That is the worst thing you could possibly do. The simple pass on and are punished. Not only does this fit our eternal destination, but this verse can also, I believe, be applied to our service for Christ. 1 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether they be good or bad. The verse is telling us that someday you and I are going to stand before Christ. Our works, our deeds, everything that we've done is going to be mounted up in a big pile, and it's going to be burned, and the only things that are going to last are going to be the jewels, the precious stone, the precious metals, everything else that was, uh, we had bad motives in it, 
whatever it may be, we did it for our own selfish reasons, it's going to be burn up and not going to last. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. If you haven't been living for God, Christian, get it together and start living for God today. Hide yourself from the evil, from the trouble that's going to come because I guarantee you when you stand before God and if you have little or nothing to give him back in return or to show for your life and your salvation, you are going to be miserable at the judgment seat of Christ. Don't let that be you, and I hope that's not going to be me. I was talking to a man not long ago who has some severe health issues, and I uh, death was a, was a very possible thing for this individual, and he almost grabbed a hold of me and said, Chris, I, I, I'm not ready to meet God. I'm not ready to meet God. I've got some things in my life that shouldn't be. I've got some things that are undone. I haven't given everything that I'm so I'm not ready. Is that you? If you were to die this moment, would you be satisfied standing before Christ that you have done your best? The president of the college that I uh, attended. His name was Clarence Sexton. I went to Crown College in Powell, Tennessee, right outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, he was a pastor of Temple Baptist Church. He went home to be the Lord, I believe it was last Tuesday, and he did many great things for God. I mean, I'm not the final judge, uh, but I mean, man, it's one of those guys where you say, I'd like to be him on the judgment seat day. And did many great things for God, but I, I know he was a very visionary thinker. He had many things that he hoped and dreamed to accomplish. I'm sure he had a list because he always carried a list of things. And I'm sure he had a list of things he was praying about, major things for God to do um, and see God move and how to reach the world for Christ. But God chose to take him home. And I thought to myself, his book is finished. His book is finished. His story is concluded for this life. There's no going back and changing it. There's no going back and fixing the ending or tidying up some things that he wished he could do, which I'm not sure. I'm, I, I hope he died with a clear conscience before God, which I assume he was a great man of the faith. However, think about your life. Someday your life story is going to be concluded. As we look back through the pages of Scripture and we read different characters throughout the Word of God and we see failure, we see defeat, we see others with victory, we see people like Joseph, and I say, man, I want that story. I want my life to be like that. If, if people were to go back and read it, wow, that'd be really good. But too often, my story doesn't match up to the faith that Joseph had. Maybe you're in the same boat that I am. There is no going back. Our service for Christ matters. We know that someday we're going to stand before God and a prudent, prudent man foreseeth the evil and the trouble and hideth himself. The simple pass on and are punished. And lastly, the area that I think we can look at, which this really applies, is the temporal affairs of life. The temporal affairs of life. Now, there are many people who are unsaved that are prudent in the affairs of this life. That may be you. 
You may be successful business-wise. You may be successful financially. You may have your family in order. You may have what you think is a great life. But before we get into this, I think it's so important for me to stress that don't be prudent in the wrong area. Be prudent. Make sure you are prudent in the most important area, your eternal destination and your service for Christ. Then, as we get to this area, the temporal area, the affairs of this life, my goodness, it gets good. Some of you, I'd say many of you, by the looks of it, are retired, and that's a great thing. You've saved up uh, enough money. You've been financially uh, prudent, and you're retired. God bless you. That's a great thing. Uh, some of you, you weren't too prudent, but your parents that came before you were. And hey, God bless you know the, their uh, your parents and their prudence on all that. And uh, I, I guess my challenge to you would be do the same thing for your children and your children's children if God gives the ability uh, to it. But that only happens retirement by being prudent. Um, spending is another area that many people don't foresee the evil, but they pass on and they're punished. You got to save up for a rainy day. You got parents this time of year, it's Christmas time. You got parents that have not been uh, financially strong, and haven't prepared for Christmas. And it's sad to say that there's going to be some children that aren't going to get a, what we would say, a good Christmas. You don't have to buy thousands of dollars of presents for your kid. But basically, your kids are going to be shortchanged because you did not take the financial responsibility that you should have and plan for the future. And we do that. We know that things are going to break over time, right? You know that every time you hit your garage door opener and your garage door comes up, that sometime that thing's going to break. And let me just say as a side note, make sure you keep a spare key in your car because when that thing breaks, you do not. I, I get phone calls, believe me, on that. Keep a spare key in your car. There's people on this idea of spending. Uh, there was a guy I had in college. Let me tell you this story. He would go through and he would reach in his pocket. He'd pull out a $10 bill, and this guy's busted broke. He pull out a $10 bill and say, man, I just found 10 bucks in my, in my jacket. I had no idea it was there. Let's go out to eat. Let's go out to eat right now. I'm serious. That is the way he acted. Financial responsibility is spending was out of control. And you're going to get yourself into trouble if you do so. How many of you know the Bible's practical? It's so practical. You don't need to go to Barnes and Nobles and get a self-help book. The Bible's literally all you need. It says, he who will not, uh, this is a quote, he who will not be ruled by the rudder must be ruled by the rock. Or we could say, if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. Just the way of life. In our relationships, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Marriage. So many people, oh, my marriage is in trouble until they're sitting in the office and it's crumbling and almost beyond the point of reconciliation, disregarding it. Friendships. Uh, I don't, uh, these people, they're just fine. I know they're not really good Christians or some of them aren't Christians. It's not a big deal. You better find some friends that are Christians that are on fire for God. You say, well, I don't really like them that much and we don't have a lot in common. Who cares? Who cares? You got something in common. You both love God, want to serve God. They're going to help you, push you in the right direction. Get away from those friends that are tearing you down, bringing you down. Tragedy. 
Over here at the church, we've got, I mean, at the school, there's a water spigot. Actually, has two water spigots. One day we come, Pastor Bill and I walk by, and one of the water spigots is bent sideways. And that's not good. It's a copper pipe. We're thinking, oh, my goodness, uh, we're going to have to shut the whole water down to the school. It was going to be a tragedy. It was about ready to break. So we got a, a new, we made up a new water spigot, and we're going to put that thing in. Why? Because tragedy could be right around the corner, and that thing is potential to break right when we're having school. And we need the restrooms, we need water accessibility. So we're, we're preparing for tragedy in life. And in life, there comes time of tragedy, and it's important that we prepare. Husbands and wives, families that have children, it's important to address areas of tragedy before they happen. So you're ahead of the curve and not behind. Discuss ahead of time the troubles that young people often have and how you're going to respond to them before your emotion gets involved. Because you know when, when kids start rebelling or making poor decisions, our emotions get involved heavily, and it sways our decision-making. But a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Deal with tragedy. We know that our loved ones at some point in time are going to pass on and going to leave. We must be ready for when tragedy happens. Temptation, this is probably the biggest area. Temptation, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. I've seen young people, particularly young men, struggle with temptation, and it's because they don't hide themselves from it. If you've got a trouble with viewing pornography, get rid of your smartphone. You know you can still live without a smartphone. You know it's possible, right? If you struggle with that, take the temptation away. Make it very hard to access what you're... If you have a problem watching, you know, horrible programs on TV, get rid of your cable. Come on now, get rid of your TV. We're talking about spiritual victory, that we have the opportunity for our stories as they're being written down in history to be successful or be failures. But a prudent man foreseeth evil, he hideth himself. If you've got something that continually trips you up time and time again, take it out of your life completely. If you've got a friend that's dragging you down, if you've got friends around you that are doing drugs or immoral uh, acts, get away from those people. Remove yourself from it. It may save your life. Please, please take advice from our, from our scripture today. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Get temptation as cheaply as you can because others have paid a high price for it. Learn from the mistakes of others, see it, and don't trip over the same branch they tripped over. And then last area that I want to mention is child raising. The responsibility of raising children. So many parents, it breaks my heart uh, when they're not prudent in the area of raising their children. Being at church is one thing, it's good. Bringing them to Sunday school is good. Bringing them to the Iwana program is good. Bringing them to a Bible club is good. But you know that's not enough. Right? You have to be a real Christian yourself. You understand that? You and I have to be real Christians ourselves. 65% of our young people are leaving the faith after they graduate high school. Take that and keep dividing it by every generation and see where Christianity is heading. I think most of it has to do because we've got apathetic parents who are just okay. 
with doing the bare minimum. A prudent man foreseeth the evil. Your children's lives are in the balance. May God help us to do everything that we possibly can. If you're here today and you don't know where you spend eternity, be prudent. If you're here and you're a Christian and you haven't been living for God, be prudent. If you've been neglectful in all these other areas in the affairs of life, be prudent. We've got a testimony to uphold in our community with our families. People are relying on us. A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Which will you be? Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We thank you at just how powerfully packed uh, even just one verse can be and how uh, it can be so helpful to us and can miraculously change our lives. In a group this size, I'm sure that there are some that do not know where they would spend eternity or cannot confidently say that they know for sure that they would spend eternity with Christ if they died this moment. I pray that at this moment you would uh, convict them of their sin Show them their their need of a Savior, that they may come to repentance uh, and faith in you. Those of us uh, who are Christians, may we we keep, keep the pedal to the metal, all the way to the end, all the way to the finish line. We've got a job to do. We're ambassadors for Christ. You've given us responsibilities. And someday we're going to give an account for it. We're going to stand before you. And our desire is that we're happy on that day and not sad. And then, of course, in all these other practical, the affairs of this life, um, the practical areas, we need help in those. I need help in those. May you give us the power to be delivered. Convict us when we err. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.